I would like us now to turn to our Sunday school section. We have been considering the attributes of God and particularly the omnis of God. We have been able to to consider the omnipotence of God, that God is all-powerful. And we were able to see there that God is undefeated, that no one has more power than God has, that God is Jehovah El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. We were able to see there that every power that everyone has, every power that we see here on earth, has been granted by God, who is the all-powerful. And then we were able to see that God is all-knowing, that God knows all things. God knows everything that is going to happen from the beginning to the end. The Bible says that He's the one that ordains the end from the beginning. He knows all things. He knows the hairs on our heads. Not one sparrow falls without His knowledge. God knows everything. He knows the intention of the heart. He searches the hearts of men. He knows what we think. He knows what we do before we are going to do it. God knows it all. And so then we were able to see that in the true sense of the words, God is the only one who can be said to be a know-it-all. He knows everything because he has ordained everything. Today, I would like us to consider um, the omnipresence of God. That God is present everywhere. Now, we've been able to see that God cannot be comprehended. The being of God cannot be completely understood exhaustively because God is infinite and we are finite. We are, our minds are temporal. Our minds are, uh, our minds cannot comprehend eternity as it were. So that God is highly exalted in all of his attributes. God is highly exalted in 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 all of his facets but then even 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 then we still can know him there is something of him that can be known by the believer because god has given us his word and and what we should do is search the scriptures to know who god is to understand his being we can know him uh, 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 as his son has revealed him to us in his word now omnipresence means that God is all present or that God is present everywhere. That is what it basically means. When we say that God is omnipresent, we are saying that God is everywhere all the time. God is here right now. God is at home. God is in Nairobi. God is in the US. God is in Iraq. God is everywhere. He is in the heavens. He is on the earth. He is under the earth. As we are going to see. So omnipresence means that God is everywhere. So let's consider, let's consider that. Number one, God is present everywhere. Omnipresence means that number one, God is present everywhere. Now as you listen to, as you listen to this, as you interact with it in your mind, I'd like you to, to, to notice how God is grand. How God is great how God is his being is unfathomable now think with me for a moment the idea of being present everywhere you you and I cannot quite understand what that means right we can't 
We just, we just believe this because the word of God says it. God is in every place. God is at every point of his creation. There is no place within his created universe where God is shut out. That we can say, ah, I've shut the door, God cannot, cannot come in. There is no place in God's created universe that God is, cannot be permitted to be in. It is ignorance of the highest order and wickedness at worst to think that God needs permission from anywhere, uh, from anyone to be anywhere in his, in his creation. And you know, you know that theology eh? where people say, oh, God, uh, God is a spirit. And because God is a spirit, he needs permission to be, uh, to be walking here on earth. You need to grant God permission. It's, it's ignorance at best and wickedness at worst to think that you and I can give God permission to do anything. God is present everywhere. God is the one that created the universe. Within a, a short span, a span of six days, God had created everything by just speaking. God doesn't need you or I to tell him where to be or what to do. And because God is a spirit being, therefore, he does not have any boundaries. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? That God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Because God is a spirit, he does not need anyone to tell him where to be. He is not limited. He is boundless. And as we saw two Sundays ago, because he has all power, his power is unbounded. He can do anything. He can be anywhere that he pleases. He does not have boundaries or limitations. He therefore can be present anywhere and everywhere at one time. It is true to say that God is everywhere present in the fullness of his being. So that God is here right now fully the way he is. And God is everywhere else still fully in the fullness of his being. So that it's not as though God is here and it's only his legs that are here. And then his, his eyes are somewhere else, his mind is, is somewhere else, his hands are... No, God is everywhere fully in the fullness of his being. Hmm? God is not like us, that we could be here physically, but then we are thinking about other things. The food that we left at home or the troubles that are, are, are in our lives. We can be present in body, but absent in mind. God is not like that. God is present here fully in the fullness of his being. That's what it means for God to be present everywhere. Now go with me to Psalm, Psalm 130. Psalm 139, sorry, Psalm 139. <clears throat> This is the psalm of David. I'd like to read from verse 1. <clears throat> psalm 139. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. This is now his omniscience. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, God knows all things. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my, and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything. All of our ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. 
you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain it the psalmist understands that god knows everything he understands everything his knowledge is too high for us look at verse 7 where shall i go from your spirit or where else shall i flee from your presence if i ascend to heaven you are there if i make my bed in sheol you are there if i take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me see that god is everywhere the psalmist is saying there is nowhere that i can go and hide myself from you we can never hide from god and when you think about it really we are never alone we are never alone god is always there god is always present no matter where we go god is there no matter what we do god is there now think of the implications of this you are at your workplace you're doing your work god is there you are at home enjoying yourself with whatever entertainment you like god is there you're thinking about whatever it is that you may be thinking about whether it be righteous or sinful good or evil the the person that you can be sure is right next to you is god god is present everywhere he fills his universe with his glory isn't that what the bible says the earth is full of his glory he's present everywhere when you decide to them not going to work or I'm not going to class those who are in school god is there seeing you if you decide ah today today i don't feel like going to church i'm too tired god is there seeing you god is everywhere my friends number 2 god is near god is near god is imminent is there anyone that has a question from that first point or a comment now the realization that god is everywhere grants that we should we should be comforted by knowing that god is near us this is particularly important because we go through difficult different things in our lives sometimes we lose our loved ones sometimes we lose our jobs sometimes we um we go through things that our finite minds cannot quite comprehend but knowing that god is near should be of much comfort to god's people god is close at hand his omnipresence communicates to us his nearness 
that he's always near. Listen to the hymn writer. Our beloved hymn number 553. Lord, we know that thou art near us. Though thou seemst to hide thy face, we do not see God's face, but we know God is near because God is present everywhere. And we are sure that you hear us, though no answer we embrace. Because God is near, we are sure that he hears us. When we call upon his name, it's not as though, you hear how people say that uh, the, the prayers, some prayers don't get to heaven. Eh? You kneel down and you pray and they hit the roof. That's an unbiblical way of thinking. Because God is present everywhere. When you kneel down to pray, God is there with you. So you don't need to shout at him, do you? You don't need to raise your voice for everyone to hear that you're praying. No. God is there with you. He is near. The Bible describes God as being with his people in the valley of the shadow of death. God is with Daniel in the lion's den, right? He's there with him, preserving him, keeping him. God is with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He's there with them keeping them, that they, they do not get burnt. God is near, my friends. That's what it means for God to be in the presence. Turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And this is uh, that beloved Psalm that almost every Christian knows word for word. <clears throat> David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads, my path, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why, why will the psalmist fear no evil? The reason is given us there. For you are with me. God is near, my friends. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with his people in all their situations. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love God. And the reason why things work together for good for those who love God is because not only that God has ordained them, not only that God has decided that they would happen to them, but also that God is with them in those situations. We are never alone as long as our God is our God. As long as God is our God, we are never alone. God goes before us. God is behind us. God is above us. He watches over us. God is near us. He is with his people. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. God is in heaven above. God is on the earth beneath. And there is no other that is called God like him. And because of that, then we know that God is near us. Listen to Isaiah chapter 57. For says, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also, also, 
Oh, listen, God dwells in the most, the, the most high place, and we're going to see that shortly. But then he says, it's not only that he dwells in the high and holy place, it's also that he dwells with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. God is near us, my friends. He is near his people. God is with the contrite and the lowly in spirit. God is always with his people. Even in the lowest of times, God is with you. In the most difficult times, God is with you. You see, the reason that we can, we can confidently say that God is good is because he is with us all the time. God is with his people all the time. Now all this speaks to his omnipresence. God promises his church. What? Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And look at what Jesus finishes with. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When you go outside to evangelize, when you decide that you are going to take the name of Christ to the nations, you should be sure that God is with you. It doesn't matter how hard the ground seems. It doesn't matter how much unbelief people seem to have. God is with us during those times when we go out to bring the gospel to the dying world. Now quoting from Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, the writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know that? You know that text, eh? God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is near us. God is near his people. He is with us in every adversity. God is with us in every trial. God is with us in every temptation. Because with every temptation, the Bible says that God provides a way of escape. Because he is near us. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23 and 24 says, I am a God at hand. I am a God who is at hand, declares the Lord, and not, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth? Declares the Lord. And what God is asking there is, where can we go that God will not be with us? But, but even more, these words are granted for our comfort. Because the Bible says here that God is, God is not far away. As a matter of fact, we are the ones who go far away from God. We are the ones who seek our own ways. We are the ones who go astray. But not God. God is always near. He says, I'm not a God who is far away. On the contrary, I am a God who is near. I am a God at hand. No one can go and hide himself in secret places where I cannot see him. 
I'm a God who feels heaven and earth. And this, this is given for, for your comfort. To know that come what may, God will not leave his people. God will not leave you if you are his. God is always with you. Now this does not mean that God is always pleased with his people. It does not mean that God always shines his face upon his people even when they are sinning and going astray. But what it does mean is that God never leaves us. The Holy Spirit never stops residing in the hearts of his people. He is always there. He is always near. Any, any question or comment on that point? Three, God is in hell. God is in hell. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. I've already seen that there is nowhere in God's created universe that God does not exist. So that if God is the creator of all things, or since God is the creator of all things, He is everywhere. So that we can be sure that God is in hell. God is the one pouring wrath in hell. Hell does not belong to, to the devil. Hmm? No. Hell belongs to God. And God is the one pouring his wrath in hell. Revelation chapter 14. Look at verse 6. Forward. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of, this, of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. Now, what is coming next is properly understood by what has already come. So that when you hear that we are to worship God who is the creator, he is the creator of all things, we should understand that God is, God is quite everywhere. And therefore, he should be worshipped, him who created everything. And dwells in all things. Another angel, verse 8, a second followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Verse 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying, With a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also, this is the verse that I I'd like you to pay attention to verse 10. He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So when this 
people are, are being punished, being tormented with fire and sulfur. It's being done in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of God, the Lamb. You see there that the wrath of God is poured out by himself. It's God who pours his wrath. Sometimes we wrongfully tell people when we evangelize that they will go to hell and forever be separated from God. Nothing can be farther from the truth. When people go to hell, they are not separated from God. As, as a matter of fact, they wish that God would not be there. They will wish that God would not be an omnipresent God because God would be there pouring his wrath upon them. He will be there executing judgment upon them because God is present everywhere. Now this should make you and I be afraid. If we are Christians, we are not afraid that God will punish us because he will not. But then we we should be afraid for those who are not Christians, those who have not repented of their sins, those who have not put their trust in Jesus Christ. They will face God and they will forever face Him. They will forever feel His wrath. He will forever pour His wrath upon them in hell. They will wish that God were not omnipresent, that God, God was not there in hell, that God would leave them even for a moment. But then you see, the Bible tells us there that God is present in hell. Now, there's a text that we need to, to properly understand or, or clear off or reconcile with the idea that God is in hell. This is 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. So we say that God, God is in hell. But then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 9 we read, They will suffer. Let me read from verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now look at verse 9. These, these who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 9 says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Now we've just seen in Revelation that the wrath of God be, being poured on the evildoers will be in the presence of the Lamb. Now how then does the Apostle Paul say here that they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. And the Greek word here used for the presence of God means 
away from his countenance. So, so when we hear that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of God, what we are to hear is that they will, they, they will suffer it away from the countenance of God, away from the eye of the Lord, from the goodness of God, if you will. And the idea here is that God will turn his face away from these people. He will turn his back from them. But that doesn't quite mean that he will not be there. It doesn't mean that he will not be pouring his judgment on them. In fact, the very, the, the, the very fact that he will be turning his back from them means that he will be pouring his wrath from them. He will be denying them his grace, his common grace. You see that common grace that we now enjoy? That the evildoer now wakes up, he breathes fresh air, the evildoer sees, they, they, they smell, they, they touch, they enjoy God's good gifts. They go to work, they are benefited. Rain pours, it pours on their land. All that will be removed from them. That's what it means there. That they, they will be away from the presence of the Lord in this eternal, the, the punishment of eternal destruction means that even the common grace that they were previously enjoying will be removed. And it will be just wrath. It will, it will be just wrath. Wrath upon them. Continuous wrath. It will be God's, God's hatred on them. And that's why the Bible then calls them the children of wrath. The countenance of God, the goodness of God will be removed from them. Now, God will be good. Make no mistake. God will be good when he will be punishing the evildoers in hell. Because that's what a good judge does. A good judge declares evildoers guilty and sends them to prison because he's good. And that's what God will do. Because God is good, he will send all evildoers to hell. And that's why you and I need to run to the gospel. You see, God is present in hell. And because God is present in hell, all evildoers will face him there. They will come with him face to face and they will have nothing to say. But then we should run to the gospel. The evildoer should hear this and be afraid. Right? The unbeliever should, should hear that God is present everywhere, even in hell, and seek to go to God, to ask for forgiveness through Christ, to live for God. To submit to God. To give himself to God. Otherwise, they will face God in hell for all eternity. In his judgments. Now the devil is not omnipresent. Please. Um, let, me encouraging you, let me encourage you by saying that. The devil is not in every bush on the street that you walk. The devil is not with you at home, is not with you in church, is not with you everywhere you go. So that we should not fear God as uh, we should not fear the devil as though the devil is like God. He's not like God. The devil is a creature like you and I, only with more power than we than we do. But he is not omnipresent. Now, the omnipresence of God makes God a special spirit. Because one could say, I mean, if God is omnipresent because he's a spirit, then angels are omnipresent, even the fallen ones. But then, God is a special spirit. Even though him being a spirit means that he is 
he is invisible. Um, him being God means that his inv- invisibility spans everywhere in the whole universe. And so God is present in hell. So that then this this is very this is very comforting and very convicting as at the same time. It is comforting for you and I to know, especially if you read Second Thessalonians, to know that evil doers will be punished. They will face God. You see the evils that you know seem to just pass by, they'll not they will not fly with God, they'll not pass by with God. God is going to punish every evil doer. That's why we we are comforted in knowing that in the gospel we are saved. Now, when we face God in, in His omnipresence, we will not face Him for wrath. We will face Him for eternity. We will face Him for all His goodness and all His splendor and all His light. Is there any question or comment there? What we believe is is what we see clearly from the scriptures. Um, Catholicism is um, is requiring its people not to think. So that when they say that we pray to Mary and then Mary prays to to who? To Christ and then Christ now prays to the Father. They're making it seem as though Mary is omnipresent. You're right. Mary is not omnipresent. How is she able to hear the prayers of everyone, everywhere, at, at every time? She, she cannot. How are the saints able to hear the prayers of... I mean, and that's why Jesus says we, we only pray to the Father. And we pray in His name. Because He is God. And He can hear our prayers. He can hear as many prayers as are made, as many times as they are made, because He is God and because He is present everywhere. The Holy Spirit is able to help us when we pray, as many times as we pray, in every place that we are in, right? Because He is God. He is able to hear, He is omnipresent. Hmm. Very good thought. Any other comment or question? Yes? 
Okay. <clears throat> Number four, and lastly, God is transcendent. So we've been able to see that God is present everywhere, that God is near, that God is in hell. And now lastly, I'd like you to see that God is transcendent. And what this means is that God is, God is, it's not only that God is everywhere, His omnipresence grants that God, if there is the highest seat in the universe, it is God who occupies it. That is where God is seated. He is transcendent. God is present in the heights of heaven. He is there. The lofty one. The high and lifted one. That's what his omnipresence grants. Go to Psalm 123. Psalm 123. Read there in Psalm 123, a song of ascents. Verse 1. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens God is seated in the heavens in Psalm 115 and verse 3 we read our God is in the heavens and because he occupies that highest seat it's not only that he is sovereign it's not only that he is omnipotent by the virtue of sitting there is that his omnipresence spans to the highest seat. He is highly lifted up. He is seated in the heavens. God is by himself at the head of the highest place. God is the one sitting on the highest seat. Again, Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Verse 9. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. The omnipresence of God spans to the highest seat. He is exalted above every other God. You see, if there is a God that will claim omnipotence or claim to be at the same level with God, omnipresence grants that they cannot. They are not in the same level with God. Because if God, because God is omnipresent, He is at the highest seat. Even, even the gods of this earth, the idols, are beneath Him. Because He is highly exalted. He is exalted far above all gods. And when you hear the Bible constantly calling God the Most High, the Most High God, this means that His omnipresence grants that he is at the highest seat in the universe. God is seated in the highest of seats and this speaks to his omnipresence. He is up there, highly exalted. He is the transcendent one. We've already considered his holiness in the past and in Isaiah chapter 6, we read this in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and, and, and where is he? He's sitting upon a throne and he is high and lifted up. God is transcendent in his omnipresence. 
So that what this means is that he is at the highest seat. His omnipresence grants that he is highly exalted above everyone and everything else. No one is above him. And this then can, um, um, can, can grant to us that when we worship him, we are sure that we are not only worshipping a God who is right next to us, like the idols of this earth. No, we are worshipping a God who is right next to us, but we are also worshipping a God who is highly exalted, who is high and lifted up. What are we to do with this information? Applications. What are you going to do with that information? Let me ask you that as I, as I finish. Yes. We should fear God. See, when you do evils, see those sins that people say that they are struggling with? Eh? The sins that we, we feel like we want to commit because we are alone. We should fear God. We should know God, God is there. God is there. He's seeing us. So you should fear God. Yeah. We should be encouraged to know that God is near us. No matter what we may be going through, we know that God is there. He's watching over us. He's above us. He's carrying us. He's right next to us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Yes? Mm-hmm. We should worship. We should worship God. If He is the omnipresent God, seated at the highest seat, the transcendent one, the only right response is to bow before Him, to worship Him, to call upon His name. Yes. We should be more prayerful. We should know that God hears us. God is not, you know, God, God, will, God will, not, will not be our way. It's, it's, it's us who turn away from Him. When we do not pray, it's not because God is not near. It's because we are far from Him. So we should be encouraged to pray because God is near us. He hears us. God is incomparable. When we think that God is present everywhere, I mean, we are so small. Abraham says we are just dust. 
the dust, like a speck of dust in God's eyes. Because even though we are present here, we are not, we are not fully, we may not be fully here. Others may be thinking of other things. Our eyes may be elsewhere. So, so the omnipresence of God kind of magnifies who God is. should be encouraged to go out to the gospel. You know, it's not only that the sinner is sinning in the presence of God because God is omnipresent. It's also that when they die, they're going to face God forever. In hell. In all his wrath. So it should encourage us to evangelize, to go out to the gospel. So these for our crash course in the omnipresence of God. I'm going to pray and then we will finish. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for your kindness in allowing that we hear of such magnificent truths. And oh, how you, incomprehensible God, you have revealed yourself to us in your word. And we do take the little that you've given us. We are quite aware that words cannot describe your being. Yet we bow before your own uh, revelation of yourself. We pray that we may be rid of that practical atheism. The things that because we are alone, you are not there. Help us to remember that we are never quite alone. That you are present everywhere that you are always near us. Grant that we would be encouraged when we go through trials and temptations to know that you're with us. Grant that we would fear you. Help us to worship you. Um, grant, O oh Lord, that we would marvel at your greatness. We would be encouraged to call upon your name. You, you, you God, who is present everywhere. Be glorified in all things, Lord. Help us to help us to be stricken by a, a, a true sense of who you are, that we may truly worship you. Even this Lord's day. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.